Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Turning to the book of Esther. I love the book of Esther. Fascinating book. One of my favorite books of the Bible. Esther 4, verse 14 is where we'll go. And it's up there on the screen. If you don't have it, I'll read from the screen. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace... At this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I'll read it from the NIV. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Amen. Can we bow our heads and pray to the Lord and ask him to be with us tonight? Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy to us. Thank you, God, so much for allowing us to be in your house tonight. Thank you for your provision and your protection throughout the day as you've gathered the people of God together in one mind and one accord to worship in spirit and truth, God. You didn't have to do it, but we're here, Lord, and and, and you've led us to this place. And God, I pray for an anointing i pray god for the power of god to be to sweep in this place lord that your that your message would go forth clearly that we would have ears and uh, that we'd have ears and hearts to understand your word god let the let the word of god be planted on good ground tonight in the name of jesus we ask in jesus name amen amen and you can be seated Look at somebody and say, it's your call. It's your call. Anybody ever said it's your call before to you? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Your girlfriend. It's your call. And it probably goes like this usually, doesn't it? Where do you want to eat tonight? It's your call. Something about decisions, they're tough to make, even when you're talking about where you're going to go eat. What do you want to eat tonight? Well, it's your call. Well, no, it's really your call. I like to think of myself as a people pleaser. Well, I don't know if I like to think of myself as that, but I I think I am that. I want other people to be comfortable. I want other people to have their way. And so if you can be happy and we're going to eat together, I want you to pick the place. And that becomes a really difficult thing when you have a girlfriend who says, no, it's your call. 
and you guys just sit there for 15 minutes deciding. Because, see, if it's really my call, if you really want it to be my call, then we're probably going to go to Taco Bell. Right? Do y'all have Taco Bell in Wisconsin? <laughs> we're probably going to go someplace cheap if it's my call. I mean, because it really doesn't matter to me. I mean, the food is, I guess it's okay, and it's cheap, you know? But I really want you to pick because if you want a steak, let's go get a steak, you know? So it's your call. There's something about decisions, something about choices. You know, decisions, we have much harder decisions than that, don't we? Decisions like, who am I going to marry? You know, when am I going to marry? What career am I going to have? What job? Uh, the list is endless of the more difficult decisions that we make. And there's something about decisions that when you commit to one, you're letting go of the other. And that's what makes a decision so difficult, right? You're letting go of, of an opportunity. There could be two doors in front of you, and you could pick one, but you have to leave the other behind. Uh, one of my favorite poems is, is the poem by Robert Frost. You've probably heard the, the, uh, the poem of Two Paths, how he decided he would take one and leave the other. There's something about decisions. They're very difficult to make at times. Anybody have a good mom in here? Moms are, moms are good, right? Moms love you. Moms are also kind of embarrassing sometimes. If you have a mom like mine, there's nothing like a mother's love. She will talk to her friends, some helpless victim who, uh, you know, is just trying to act entertained. And your mom will go on and on about her son or her daughter. Do you have a mom like that? And she'll, you know, my mom does this. She'll be talking to one of her friends, and I'm thinking, and if I'm there especially, I'm thinking, Mom, this is embarrassing. Your friend doesn't care. Your, you, she, you know, just stop. But she'll be going on and on, you know, my, my son is this and that, and, you know, and he, you know, he makes 100 grand a year. I'm like, yeah, Mom, that's about 90,000 more than I make a year, okay? And on and on she goes. You know, he had lunch with President Obama the other day. What, whatever, she's just out of control. She's not that bad, but moms are embarrassing that way because there's something about a mother's love. She just loves you. She just wants the world to know that you're great. Nothing like a mother's love, but there's also nothing like a mother's wrath. Would, would you agree with that? <laughs> nothing like a mother's wrath. You ever had mom get real mad at you? And we know the stereotypical thing when mom gets mad. She calls you by your full name. Any mom ever called you by your full name? You see, my mom never called me by my full name. She called me many other names when she was mad, but she never called me by my full name. And here's why, if you'll bear with me. Here is why I think mom never called me by my full name when she was mad. Joseph Albert Zerpoli. Now, Joseph's pretty cool. Bible name. Pretty neat. I can get with that. Zerpoli, I hated that name when I was little because you can imagine how 
I was made fun of, you know, roly-poly, pepperoni, macaroni, whatever. The list is endless with zerpoli, ravioli. So zerpoli, I hated it when I was little, but now I love it because there's not many zerpolis. So zerpoli's good, Joseph's good, but Albert? Mom, where did you go wrong at Albert? And I'm convinced she named me Albert to keep me humble. But I think she never called me by my full name because she... She couldn't help but laugh if she did. <laughs> Joseph Albert Zerpoli, we're talking about calls tonight. It's your call. And there's nothing like a mom and her wrath when she calls you by your full name. Esther is a fascinating, fascinating story, and I want to share it with you. But before we jump into that, I do want you to take a look at a video any any nature people in here? Do you like nature? You like like Animal Planet or Discovery that type thing? I'll, I'll I'll see some of those. I just love like I love sharks and I love different kind of weird things. I want you to take a look if this video uh, will play. I want you to take a look at this. This is very interesting. Talking about calls tonight. That's a problem for this drongo. It's too cold for his normal prey, flying insects. But he has a plan. The drongo is the Kalahari's greatest trickster. And these are his victims. A family of meerkats, desert specialists, After warming up in the morning sun, the meerkats begin their search for breakfast. The drongo can now begin his tricks. But he must first win the confidence of his victims. He spots an eagle on the hunt and sounds a warning. One that sends the meerkats gratefully scurrying to safety. Danger over. And now he has their trust. He sounds another warning. But this time it's a false alarm. Thank you very much. Cats fell for it. This all seems too easy. He tries the same trick again. But the meerkats aren't stupid. They'll only fall for it once. Juicy scorpion won't be for him. 
Then, suddenly, the sound of a sentry's warning. No meerkat can ignore that. Sentries never lie. But the sentry sees no danger. Guess who? Of course, it's the Drongo. He's learned to mimic the meerkat's own warning call. And now he can enjoy his prize. A gang of meerkats, outsmarted by a bird. The Drongo is only deceitful in the hardest winter months. For the rest of the year, he provides honest protection. So, in the long run, the meerkat family profit as well as the Drongo. Isn't that something? That is pretty neat. It's crazy. The Drongo is a deceiver. Can I tell you that Satan desires to deceive you with different calls? Wasn't that interesting that he gained their trust before he took their meal? You know, God called you into this marvelous light, baptized you with his spirit. You were filled with his spirit. You come to a church that preaches and teaches the truth. And you've worked so hard on that. Would you agree? You don't just come to church on a Wednesday. Nobody just comes to church on a Wednesday night because that's what they want to do. As a matter of fact, on a Wednesday night, sometimes you just don't want to, right? But God called you. And because he filled you with his spirit, you can't stay away from church. You can't. And you've, you've worked so hard. And so you've come and you've and you've come, you know, Wednesday, you come Sunday, you come more times than that, I'm sure, into the house of God because of what God has done for you. And you've started this walk by faith with God. The enemy wants nothing more than to take all that hard work, all that God has done for you, and then all the progress that you've made since God's brought you into his marvelous light. The enemy desires nothing more but to steal that from you. And he'll do anything that he possibly can to distract you with different calls. You are called by God. Each and every one of you have a call of God on your life. Not just the church as a whole, although I am talking to the, the body of Christ. But I'm talking about you individually, that God has called each of you individually. And he's got his own specific plan, and own specific purpose for your life. Now... You have your own goals and you have your own dreams and God has placed some of those inside of you. But the enemy would love nothing more to distract you from your ultimate goal and your ultimate purpose in Jesus Christ. And he'll use deceptive calls. If you remember all the way back in the Garden of Eden, the enemy told Eve, ah, I mean, it looks pretty good. Did God indeed say if you ate of this tree that you would die? No, 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 God, God knows that you'll become like him, that you'll know the difference between good and evil. And who doesn't want to know that? Who, who doesn't want to become like a God? The enemy told her, you become like him. 
Who doesn't want to be like God? And that sounds pretty good, right? And just like the Drongo sending distracting calls to the meerkat, hey, danger's coming. He's got their trust. And that's what the enemy did. He got Eve's trust. If but just for a moment, listening to that distracting call. And then once you get in a conversation with the devil, he's got you. But God's got a call and a purpose for your life. In the book of Esther, if you don't know the story, I would encourage you to go home and read it or listen to it on your Bible app if you have that. It's a fascinating story. Everybody say King Xerxes. King Xerxes. Everybody say Queen Vashti. I'm telling you the uh, Bible characters in this story, the, the important ones. Everybody say Haman. And then Esther. Esther. And then finally, there are a couple pr pronunciations for this word. We'll just say Mordecai. Mordecai. Five main people in this story. It's a fascinating story. King Xerxes, 127 provinces he ruled over. He was a, he was a great king. He had a feast for 180 days. He had such a, a, a rich kingdom. And he invited everybody, all the nobles, to come to his kingdom and enjoy the party. For 180 days, you can have as much food and wine as you want. We're just going to lounge around. Can you imagine 180 days? Half a year? And then after that, he, said he, he threw another party for seven straight days for anybody in the kingdom. Everybody was welcome. Everybody in the land. For another seven days. At the end of those seven days, he told his nobles, hey, go call Queen Vashti because she's beautiful. I want everybody to look at how beautiful she is. And so they went and called Queen Vashti. And she said, no, I'm not interested. She wouldn't come out for the king's call. Back in those days, you can imagine when the king tells you to do something and you don't do it. Yeah, pretty bad news. So the king didn't like it. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you're not going to be queen anymore. Queen Vashti, I'm going to look for another queen. And his nobles got together and said, why don't you pull all the virgins from, from all these provinces, just bring them up to the king, kingdom and you just take your pick of who you like. And that's where Esther comes in. Esther was a beautiful girl, but Esther was from, from a broken home. Her, her parents died at a young age. And Mordecai was her cousin. And he raised Esther like his own daughter. So Esther comes to the kingdom. And of course, the king just picks out Esther because she's beautiful and, and she's going to be my next queen. So Mordecai tells Esther, hey, don't tell anybody you're a Jew. Because these are different people and we don't want to stir the pot. We just keep it a secret that, that you're a Jew. So Esther complies. She doesn't tell anybody that she's a Jew. She's, that she's a Jew. Haman is the bad guy. Everybody say bad guy. Bad guy. Haman is a really arrogant guy. You ever know anybody who's really arrogant? Who just looks very arrogant, but not only looks it, but acts it, you know, treats you bad, poorly, you know, unless you're on their level. Haman was one of those guys. Didn't have time for the common people, but as he passed through the land, he expected everybody to bow down. I mean, after all, he was second in command of the king. Well, there was one guy who didn't bow down, and that was Mordecai. Remember, he's a Jew. 
Well, Haman notices he doesn't bow down and he says, I'm going to kill him. I'm not just going to kill him, but I'm going to kill his whole race. He found out that, that Mordecai was a Jew. And so he went to the king and said, look, this guy's not bowing down to me. They're not part of our people. They need to be destroyed. And so the king said, okay, we'll do whatever you want to do. And the king gives him his signet ring. And once the ring is stamped and there's a law in place, you cannot go back. And so the, Haman put a law in place that on a particular day, within a year, all the Jews would be annihilated. The whole race would be annihilated. Mordecai obviously was devastated. Esther didn't know the plan yet, but Mordecai found out the plan, and he, he was devastated. Esther called uh, her servants and said, what is wrong with Mordecai? Why is, he, why is he dressed in sackcloth and ashes? Why is he mourning? What's going on with him? And Mordecai sent word, hey, our, our people are going to be done. And that's the verse I read to you. Who knows whether you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this, Mordecai told Esther. Could it be that God set you up for such a time as this so that you could save your people from destruction? You know that God hasn't just called you out and saved your soul for you. A lot of times we get in this Christian walk, we get uh, pretty selfish, don't we? When you pray, if you're like me, I mean, I, I had to, God checked me um, one day as, as I was praying, I mean, for months. God, what is your will for me? What do you want from me? Me, me, me. Everything was about me. My prayers were about me. My focus was on me. And God said, hello, I didn't call you. I didn't save you for you. Moses was standing at the burning bush and God told him, hey, I want you to go deliver my people, Israel. And Moses said, but, but God, and there's about seven different rebuttals that Moses gives God at the burning bush. Can you imagine you see a miracle? You see a bush that's burning, but it's not consumed. That's a miracle. And you walk over to the bush and a voice comes out of the bush. That's a miracle. And God himself is talking to Moses, and Moses wants a sign. <laughs> he wants a sign. God, you're telling me to go to Egypt, but what if? And we, we can relate to that, right? Has God ever told you to do something? You say, uh -huh, I don't know. Go talk to that person over there. Go help that person over there. Go tell them about me. Have you ever just uh, I don't know if that was God or if that was me. Could have been the devil. I'll tell you what, it's not the devil, right? The devil's not going to go tell you to, to go talk to somebody about Jesus. And so worst case, it's you, but what could it hurt? <laughs> but Moses was standing in front of a burning bush and somebody talking from that bush, two miracles, and Moses wanted a sign, God, you've called me? You want me to go to Egypt? And Moses said, Lord, I want you to give me a sign. And something very interesting that I think that I think it's very interesting that God told Moses, he said, here's a sign. When you come out of Egypt and you bring the people out, you're going to worship me on this mountain. Now, 
Think about that. God's called him to do a work. And then he's saying, here's your sign. When you do the work, you'll worship me on this mountain. For me, I would say, wait, uh, I don't know if that's a good sign. I want a sign right now. I want a sign before I go that you're with me, right? And so Moses gives him seven different rebuttals. Oh, but God, I stutter. I stutter. I, I can't talk. I'm not good. I'm not a spokesman. And God's telling him the whole time, just go. And Moses says, but, but, but. And, and so God, you know, is very patient. And he answers him. And, and, and if you read the story, God gives him a miracle, gives him signs right there, even more. He says, throw your rod down. And we know what happened. It turns into a snake. Pick it back up. Turn back into a rod. Put your hand in your bosom. Take it out. It's leprous. Now put it back. It's healed. I mean, these are signs, folks. And Moses continues to argue with God. When God said, hey, I'm giving you every sign in the book, would you just go? And Moses is saying, but God, I stutter. And, and finally, the Lord, it says that the, the wrath of God was kindled against Moses. And he said, look, it's not about you. I'm calling you to go deliver these people who have been in bondage for years and centuries. I'm calling you to go deliver these people. It's not about you. That's hard, to, <laughs> that's hard to handle when the Lord tells you it's not about you. Back to Esther, Mordecai says, who knows whether you were come to the kingdom. God set you up for such a time as this. And I want you to know that God has called you for such a time as this. You've got a beautiful church here. You've got a great pastor and pastor's wife. You have everything that you need. God has set you up perfectly for such a time as this. And the enemy is just like the Drongo, and he's sending out distracting calls. What kind of calls does the enemy send out your way? If you think about it, I'll, I'll share some of mine. The enemy calls now, some of these aren't sins. Some of these are actually, when you think about it, like we said, the devil in the Garden of Eden just trying to, trying to get Eve's trust. Some of these aren't sins. The call for acceptance. Everybody wants to be accepted, don't we? Who likes to be lonely? Nobody likes to be lonely. Everybody wants friends. Nothing wrong with people want, you know, you wanting people to like you, is there? No, there, there is nothing wrong with that. But when that consumes your focus and all you're doing, look, we're in the, they call it the information age. I have a friend who calls it the affirmation age. Due to all the selfies out there that you see posted on social media, people are simply wanting affirmation. Please affirm. Please, please say that you like me. Please click the button and say you like my picture. Right? Of course, we don't voice that, we don't say that, but that's what we're doing, right? It's a call, it's we really want to be accepted. And, and we feel sometimes, if, we're, if I'm just being honest, we feel sometimes the world's passing us by. They say, and you, read, you do some research on this at Facebook, is it's one of those things that causes depression. Because 
you see everybody else's life that just looks great and glorious, and you're just sitting there doing whatever you do, being boring you, right? But everybody's boring. We just see the highlights on Facebook. This is, it's the affirmation age. We just want to be accepted. We just want to be liked. Nothing wrong with that. But when it consumes you, a friend of mine came to me four or five years ago. Oh, it's been longer than that. It was at youth camp. That was probably five years ago. At an altar service, and he put his arm around me, and he spoke in my ear and a great word from the Lord, but I was not expecting it. He said, Joe, do you want to do the will of God, or do you want to be liked? And my immediate response, and I didn't tell him this, I just was quiet, but I said it in my head. I said, God, can I have both? (laughs) Can I have both? That's not what God asked. He said, do you want to be liked? Or do you want to be used? And I and I, I seriously had to think about it. It's not one of those things I could just answer right away because I wouldn't be truthful. I would not be truthful if I just answered, of course, God, I just want your will. Because the Lord pricked my heart right then and said, Joe, this is what you're dealing with. You see, you want others to affirm you. You want others to say, yeah, he, yeah he's called. He's called. And put their stamp of approval on you. When I've called you, and it doesn't matter what man says about you, I've called you. So are you going to listen for the applause of man, or are you going to listen to my applause? Because you can't do both. A call for acceptance. The enemy just is going to call out whatever works. And can I tell you, the enemy knows your every single weakness. He knows your weakness. And he will stop at nothing to exploit that weakness. Oh, you're strong in some areas. Some of you never touched drugs, never touched alcohol. Well, the enemy's never going to bother you with that. He could come against you with that, and he'd be wasting his time and effort. But the enemy does know what bothers you. He does know your weak link. He will try to exploit that. And so he's just sending out calls like the Drongo. Let's see what works here. The call for acceptance. For some of you, it could be the call for education. Nothing wrong with education even. And in fact, we need education. Yes, it's great to always do better and be better. That's great. But if that is consuming you, is it the call of God? Okay, Joe, so I hear hear you saying that the devil sends out distracting calls, but the Lord has called us. So how do I know when I hear a call if it's God? How do I know? Good question. (laughs) I'll tell you. It's a three-part call from God. It's a three-part call. Number one, everybody say called up. Called up. In the story of Esther, she was called up out of nothing. She's from the lowest tribe. She was from the she's from a family that was her mom and dad had died. She was nothing. She was a nobody. Can anybody relate to that? I can. Nothing, nobody. My family doesn't have a name. We don't have a pedigree. We have nothing. She was called up from brokenness. From a broken place. Called up to the king. 
to the king's court. Called up. Everybody say called out. Not only was she called up to the king's court, but then Esther was called out. Chosen from among the ones who were called up. She was called out. And, got, and, and, the, and the king placed his stamp of approval on her and said, I want you to be my queen. I want you to be my bride. And when the Lord filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he not only called you up to a nice place, a nice church, where you felt the presence of God, but when he called you further and you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he called you out from where you were. No longer were you in a society that played church. No longer were you in a place where you could go to church and have a cotton candy experience and feel the presence of God, but never encounter God. He called you up from that, but he called you out and said, I've put my stamp of approval on you. He's done it with me and he's done it with you. Called up and called out. Everybody say called to. Esther was called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Thankfully, she listened to her cousin Mordecai and did what God set her up to do. If you read the rest of the story, oh, it's an awesome story. How Haman himself, the arrogant one, the devil in in the flesh, was the one who got annihilated. And the Jews were saved because Esther stood up and said, I'm going to the king. I'm going to the king. God called Esther too to make a difference for her people's lives, for the people. God didn't save you for you. God's plan is much bigger than you. God didn't save me for me. God's plan is much bigger than me. It's unimaginable what God has in store if you will simply obey the call of God. The daily call of God. See, when God calls you up, and even when God calls you out, he's not done calling you because he's calling you to a lost and broken world who needs God, who's in bondage, who's been in bondage, who's, their family's been in bondage, they know no other way. This is all they've ever known was sin. It's all they've ever known was the pleasure of sin. But then the brokenness of sin as the enemy destroys their home and destroys their life. Can you remember where you were when God called you up? Can you remember where the pit that you were in when God called you out? Can you remember? And that's what the world is facing today. They're full of, they're, they're full of depression. Seven out of ten Americans Take prescription drugs, 7 out of 10 Americans, 70%. 55% of Americans take two or more prescription drugs. That's the world that we're living in today. That's the garbage that this world is in today. And the bondage is the enemy is calling and they're listening to the call. And every time they dig up and they find a little, be- a, a little treasure, a little piece that they can eat, the enemy just sends a distracting call and they hear it and they flee. And the enemy goes and gets what was rightfully theirs. 
Don't let the enemy do that to you as a called and chosen vessel of God. Don't let the enemy do that to you. God has called you for more. And so if his call, if the call that you're hearing does not call you up, does not call you out, and does not call you to a lost and dying world, it's not the call of God. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and another they will not turn to. Amen. We're listening to the call of God tonight. We're not concerned with what the devil is throwing our way. Though it may not be sin, it may be a weight. And the Bible says, lay aside every sin and wait. That does so easily beset you. It does so easily throw you off your course. It's so easily sometimes we look like the meerkats as the drongo calls out different calls and we're running for safety. No, no, no. No, I'm not going to work this hard. I've come too far for the enemy to call me and take everything that the Lord has done for me. Do you agree with that tonight? Amen. God has called you. And so the call of education is good. Go to college. Get your master's. Get your doctorate. Fine. Whatever. Whatever. But only you know the voice of God. Let me end with that. Only you know the voice of God for yourself. Others have opinions. And you'll always hear opinions. Everybody's got them. For you, personally. Even well-meaning people have opinions. Peter was well-meaning. And Jesus told him, hey, I'm about to die, guys. And Peter said, oh, no, 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 no. No, you're not. Pulled Jesus aside. And Jesus turned to all the disciples and embarrassed Peter pretty bad. He said, get thee behind me, devil. Get thee behind me. Why? Because Peter was well-meaning. He meant, well, I don't want you to die. You're a king. You're our king. You're our savior. How can you die? You're not supposed to die. But Jesus knew his purpose. And he said, whatever's going to distract me from my purpose, no. No, I've come too far and I've worked too hard. I'm on a mission to save the people. (laughs) And whatever's going to try and throw me off from that mission, I'm not going to listen to that call. So again, only you know the voice of God. If God has called you to be a doctor, then be a doctor with all your might. But if that's not God calling you and you just really have a, a desire to do that, but maybe God's just kind of tugging on your heartstrings this way. Only you know the voice of God. Eli said to Samuel, when Samuel woke up and came to Eli, he said, hey, that was you that called me. Eli said, no, it wasn't me. Finally, a bell rang in Eli's head, and he said, Samuel, my child, that's the voice of God calling you. And so the third time... (laughs) Answer and say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. And God will speak to you. And though others will have opinions of who you are in God or what you can do for God, or what God's called you to do, you know the voice of God. And I'm speaking from personal experience tonight. I've taken a step out by faith. And I'm not perfect by, by any means. The Lord is still working on me. This message is for me. But I've taken a step out by faith. When I was in a career, and I was doing well, doing very well. But God said, no, I've called you. And God called me when I was eight years old to preach the gospel. God, (laughs) I can't preach a lick, God, but I called you. It's not about you. It's not about 
you. Get your mind off of you. It's for the, all the lost souls out there. It's for my people. So just answer my call. Okay, God, I'm not going to argue anymore. Like Moses, I said, okay, I give up. You're God. This will never stop. You'll never stop calling me. I give in, Lord. And I took a step out by faith, and here I am talking to you tonight. Don't listen to the call of the drongo. Don't listen to the distracting calls. If God's not calling you up, out, and to, he's, that's not the call of God. Don't listen to it. Can we bow our heads? Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you, God, for speaking to our hearts tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your message. Lord, I, I, I pray that, 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 we would, that we would take hold of this, God, that it wouldn't just be something that we hear, God, and it, let us not just be hearers of the word, but God, let us be doers of your word. You've called us, Lord, and you knew who would be here tonight. You knew who would hear this message tonight. You knew that we all needed to hear this. Help us not to listen to the distracting calls of the enemy, but help us to say yes to your call alone, God. We are your children, and it's not about us, God. You called us for so much more than that. There's a lost and dying world all around us here in Brookfield, God. There's a lost and dying community that needs you. And we are the people of God to see this place filled to see this place packed out. We're the people of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, use us for your glory. If he's speaking to you tonight, if you want to just take a step out by faith, I don't know how you normally do it. If you come to this altar, God wants, God wants to hear you. He wants to hear you say yes to his call. No more fighting, God. No more fighting. No more arguing, no more wrestling with the Lord, but just giving in and say, God, take me as I am. I am nothing, but God, you didn't call me to be anything. You just called me to be willing, and I'm willing. I may not have talent, may not be able to do, I may, I may think of myself as just nothing, but God, you've called me. What a privilege to serve you. What a privilege to know you. Can I tell you that God has called you to sell all that you have and give it all to him. No longer hanging on. No longer hanging on to your riches, your wealth, your ideas, your dreams, your goals. But just as he told the rich young ruler, sell all that you have. Sell all that you have.